Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. We're going to start off with some high school slash college basketball news. Imani Bates, the number one player in the class of 2021, or excuse me, 2022, who reclassified to 2021 and is ranked fourth in that class, although I think he should be number one. He's committed to Memphis. He's going to play for Penny Hardaway, and he's teaming up with Jalen Duren, the number two player in the 2022 class, who also reclassified to 2021. Both will be at Memphis next season. Bates was originally committed to Michigan State before he decommitted a few months ago. I believe this was over the summer or maybe the end of May. And then he just made his decision last night to go to Memphis. His top four was Michigan State, Memphis, the G League, and Oregon. And Memphis, you're going to want to watch Memphis this year in college basketball. They are going to be one of the most fun teams to watch with Bates and Duran. Bates is going to play point guard. That is what I've seen in multiple reports. That's what Amani said himself. He's going to play point guard for them next year. And they are going to be so much fun to watch. Bates and Duran played for team final in AAU this summer. That was June Bates actually left his own team, Bates Fundamentals, in the month of June to join Duran, play for Team Final, dominate everybody. They were the best AAU team in the country, uh, maybe of all time, because they had those two guys, and then Derek Lively, another top player in the 2022 class. And then Bates went back to Bates Fundamentals for July, Peach Jam, Nike EYBL session. So it was really an interesting really interesting what he did going back and forth for AAU teams in the summer but Bates and Duran teaming up at Memphis is a big deal I mean they're both freshmen they're both entering college a year early but they're both ready if you haven't seen Duran play he is huge he's like 6'10 250 240 I mean he is just big physical he I mean he's got NBA size already Bates is built like Kevin Durant tall skinny but he's so skilled he could play in the nba right now both of them could so watch memphis watch what penny hardaway does with these two talented guys next season it's going to be a lot of fun the celtics and marcus smart agreed to a four-year 77 million dollar extension the celtics and robert williams agreed to a four-year 54 million dollar extension the pistons re-signed hamadou diallo on a two-year 10 million dollar deal the wizards re-signed cassius winston their second round pick from last year to a two-way contract and the mavericks signed jared dudley to be an assistant coach he is not playing anymore some thought the lakers would bring him back just to be you know the guy who claps on the bench the whole season but he said i want to have a bigger impact so he's going to be an assistant coach for the dallas mavericks with jason kidd good move i think for jared dudley good for him he's got the potential to be a future head coach or move into the front office if he wants to there was a trade that happened relatively recently it's been a little bit it's actually been a while now the grizzlies traded eric bledsoe to the clippers for patrick beverly rajon rondo and daniel oturu and then the Grizzlies traded Patrick Beverly to the Timberwolves for Jarrett Culver and Juan Hernan Gomez. Hernan Gomez. This trade actually has bigger implications than you might think. For the Clippers, at first, I didn't like the deal. But then I thought more about it. And I was okay with it. Because originally I thought they lost two point guards and got one back. 
Not the best idea, especially when those point guards play important roles. Everyone hates Patrick Beverly, except for the people who have him on their team. He's a dog. He's a great defender and an irritator that can really bother some of the best scorers in the game. He does get out of control sometimes, physically and emotionally. But that's who he is. As for Rondo, he was a veteran point guard a lot of people thought was the missing piece, including myself. He didn't really turn out to be that. Reggie Jackson stole the spotlight from him at that position in the playoffs. So they lost those two guys. Daniel Oturu, I mean, he's all right. He's a backup big man who really only played in blowouts and needs a little bit more time in the G League in order to become anything at the NBA level. He doesn't have a jump shot yet. And they got Eric Bledsoe back. EB played in LA for the first three seasons of his career. And, you know, he's carved out a pretty nice career since. You know, averages of 14, 4, and almost 5 assists per game. His best seasons were in Phoenix. Uh, he scored 20 points per game in back-to-back seasons. And that's that's what he's capable of. His shot fell off a little bit last season in New Orleans. If he can get his touch back, get back to like 45-plus percent from the field, average 15 points a game, that's all the Clippers can really ask for. He's going to be a really nice piece for them if he plays well and if he stays healthy. I think they start him at the one and bring Reggie Jackson off the bench, bench to prepare Perhaps with Serge Ibaka if he comes off the bench behind Zubat, which I think could be the deal. And you might see the Clippers running a back-and-forth six-man battle, you know, between Jackson and Ibaka like they did with Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. They might have two six-man-of-the-year candidates. So the depth chart would look like this for L.A. Starters would be Bledsoe, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris. This is my assumption of what their starting lineup should slash could look like. Bledsoe, George, Leonard, Morris, and Zubats. Lots of flexibility in the front court, you know, inserting Batum perhaps if you want Morris coming off the bench for offensive firepower. And then you could put in Ibaka at the five if you want Zubats to come off, Zubats to come off the bench. And then the bench would look like Jackson, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, Nicholas Batum, and Serge Ibaka with the reserves being Justice Winslow, Yogi Ferrell if he makes the roster, and then the three rookies that they drafted, but they're probably going to start out in the G League. Preston, Boston, Keon Johnson might get in the rotation early. In my opinion, this is still the deepest team in the league. They have two quality one through fives, and then the reserves are capable of being productive in a backup role if the rotation needs to go deeper. We don't know what kind of role, what kind of roles the rookies will play right away, or even if they will. But they certainly have potential. Despite losing two important point guards, I do actually like this move for the Clippers. As for the Grizzlies, I was going to talk about this move for them if they would have kept Beverly, but they dealt him to Minnesota. Beverly would have been a perfect fit for Memphis with the way he plays. You know, grit and grind, although that era is kind of over. That's still, you know, what they're known for. I don't understand the move to trade him to the T-Wolves for Jarrett Culver and Juan Hernan Gomez. Culver has shown me nothing that gets me excited about his potential since coming into the league as a sixth overall pick in 2019. And Hernan Gomez is just an average NBA player. He can drive, shoot a little bit, rebound, but he doesn't do anything particularly well. He's just kind of average. And I don't see either of them playing large roles for the Grizzlies this season. As for Rondo, he doesn't want to be there and is expected to part ways with the franchise before the season begins. The T-Wolves, all they got in this deal was Pat Bev. It's a good addition because with the loss of Ricky Rubio, they needed a backup point guard behind D'Angelo Russell. Beverly can do that or start if they want to move Russell to the two and bring Malik Beasley off the bench. Although Beasley was so surprisingly productive last season, I doubt that that will be the case. I'm excited, though, for what Anthony Edwards has in store for us this season. I feel like he's ready to explode, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The main thing I want for Minnesota this season is Carl Anthony Towns healthy. 
He played in all 82 games the, his first three seasons in the league. That's hard to believe. He's, he played 77 in his fourth season. And then over the last two years, just 85 games combined. I hope he's on the floor and in his best physical condition because when he is, he's arguably the most skilled center in the league. He's still top three right now, you know, behind Jokic and Embiid, but they are in a class of their own. Towns has the potential to be in that class. He just has to stay on the floor. Minnesota has a lot of potential, but in my opinion, it all depends on the health of Carl Anthony Towns. Sticking with the topic of centers, Joel Embiid signed a four-year, $196 million Supermax extension with the Sixers. And this is the right move to keep Embiid in Philly. He's the guy that needs to be the cornerstone still. He is the cornerstone. And I think they need to surround him with different pieces. Ben Simmons should probably go. The only team I've heard that's actually that's actively shopping for him right now is the Minnesota Timberwolves, which you talk, uh, who we just talked about. That fit is a separate conversation. I'm really not sure what they would give up. They may even give up Russell, even though they really don't want to. It could be perhaps Beasley in a first-round pick. I really don't know. I've been saying this all along. The trade that makes the most sense for Philly is Dame for Ben. That would put Philly on the Bucks tier, in my opinion, in the East. The Nets are tier one. The Bucks are tier two. Sixers and maybe the Heat are tied for tier three this upcoming season. I just don't know what to expect from Ben Simmons in this year's playoffs. In the regular season, he's going to give you his average 15, 8, and 8 a night with multiple 20-plus, 30-plus point performances throughout, but he... He has yet to level up in the playoffs. In the regular season, he's an all-star. In the playoffs, he's just, you know, he's he's average. He really was average, below average in, the, in this year's playoffs, at least. Embiid shi- shines so much more in the playoffs because of Simmons' lack of production. And I think Lillard and Embiid would be the best point guard center duo in the league. Now, the Sixers would need to add to their bench because their depth is lacking already. It is getting a little bit stronger than it has been. In the past, but their wings aren't great. Bible's a good defender. Corkmans is a good shooter, but neither are two-way. And frankly, I think they just need upgrades at those positions. The four position is lacking as well. Anthony Tolliver is getting older, and his production will likely go down. Paul Reed, though, the G League MVP and Rookie of the Year last year. Yes, he won G League MVP and Rookie of the Year. His development will be interesting at that position. He dominated the Summer League. Perhaps he becomes something. I do think that if they do the Dame trade, they'll have to give up some of their backups like Thibel or Korkmaz or Tolliver with Simmons, which will create an even bigger problem off the bench. But this is all probably wishful thinking unless Dame says, I want out, which he has not done yet. I mean, none of this is probably going to happen because Dame just said, I don't plan on leaving Portland for now and i really don't know what for now means could that that could mean a whole season that could be the next three year or, or however however long he has left on his contract but the point is joel mb deserves all of this money and he needs a different second star next to him someone who will level up in the playoffs and increase their chances of winning a title because right now they're just not where the bucks and the nets are and i thought they were until what Ben Simmons showed everyone in this year's playoffs, that he's a liability late in important games, and it's hard to keep him on the floor, even though he does everything else so incredibly well, except shooting. He's a great passer. He's an amazing passer. He's got great court vision at 6'10". He's 6'10", running point guard. That's an advantage. He's a great finisher. An A-plus defender can guard 1 through 5, but the shooting struggles are just so profound they override his all-around ability otherwise let's talk about the summer league it has concluded some of the standouts Cade Cunningham of course 
18.7 points per game, 42.9% from the field, 5.6 rebounds per game. This guy looks like a leader. Like, forget the way he played. The way he led his team trying to get wins, you know, they tried to get wins, you know, in the summer league. Cade Cunningham just looks like a leader and a franchise cornerstone. There's a reason he's the number one pick. And yes, he's very talented on the court. But off the court, he may be just as good. I, The leadership from Cade Cunningham as a rookie is really what stood out to me in the summer league. I think the Detroit Pistons made a really good choice. Even though Jalen Green kind of showed him up. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But the other Jalen, Jalen Suggs, averaged 15 points, 6 rebounds. And two assists per game. He had that amazing debut. He had like 24 points and nine rebounds. He w- played for about, what was it, two and a half, three and a half games before being shut down with that thumb injury. But he is going to be a very good two-way point guard for the Orlando Magic. I really don't know what that position is going to look like because they traded for Markel Fultz a couple years ago. And they... Who was it that they just drafted? Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony averaged 10, 11 points per game. Was Had a really impressive, actually, rookie season. So I'm not sure what they're really thinking with Suggs. Maybe they want a Suggs-Anthony backcourt, but right now they got Gary Harris at the two with Terrence Ross coming off the bench as the sixth man. That backcourt is kind of loaded, and the coach needs to make some decisions. The front office needs to make some decisions. Probably get Fultz out of there because, let's face it, he's a bust. And, yeah, that backcourt just has a lot of – they ha- it has a lot of talent, but it also has a lot of potential, which means who knows how long that may take in terms of development for those young guys. But Jalen Suggs does look pretty good. I'm sure the Magic are very happy because he fell to them. Everybody thought he was going to the Raptors at four. But the Raptors pick at number four, Scotty Barnes. I'll give him credit. He looked really good. I did not like this pick by the Raptors, but he averaged 15 points, 6 rebounds, almost 7 rebounds, 6.8 rebounds per game, and 2 blocks per game. Yes, we knew his defense was, you know, all NBA caliber, but his offense was really shocking, honestly. I saw he had like 18 points in his debut. I didn't expect him to get more than like 12, 14 a game, but he averaged 15 and a half points per game, so his offense... Of course, it's summer league defense. We can't overreact to any of this, honestly. But Scotty Barnes was very impressive. This entire top five this year, Cunningham, Green, I'm blanking on who the third pick was. Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley did not do great. But you saw flashes of why he has the potential to be a two-way superstar center in the league. And then Jalen Suggs and Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs in order. All of those top five picks look good. Like, usually there's one that looks like a bust, at least one that looks like a bust in the summer league every year. But this year, the depth of the draft was, like, really shown. Jonathan Kuminga was taken number seven by the Warriors. He and Moses Moody tore up the summer league. Kuminga averaged 17 points, six rebounds, and two assists per game. Great all-around play from him, and he's a good defender as well. Cam Thomas. He got drafted by the Nets, I believe, 27th overall. He averaged 27 points per game. He's a scorer. We knew this coming into the draft. He's a bucket getter. 
And him coming off the bench, he's going to fill it up really quick. I mean, he's going to be the microwave. <laughs> he's going to be the microwave for the Nets coming off the bench of, you know, Vinny Johnson type. And backing up Kyrie, that's great for the Nets because they did not have a backup point guard all last season. I mean, it was Mike James at some point. Then it was Tyler Johnson at another point. It was just like, really? These guys aren't capable of doing much. But Cam Thomas, as a rookie, is going to step in and probably average 12 to 14 points per game. I'm just going to say that right now. Cam Thomas is a scorer, and he showed that in the summer league. Nashawn, they call him Bones Highland, for the Nuggets, averaged 19.8 points per game, almost 20 points per game, and five assists per game, shooting 46% from the field. Slightly better numbers than Jamal Murray when he played in the summer league. He could be a good backup to start his career and evolve into a starting two-guard next to Murray. Ball, ball, ball. <laughs> Can I say his name? It's not that hard. Bobo also stood out for the Nuggets. Hopefully, he gets a chance in the rotation with Denver this year. He averaged, like, what, 21 points per game? And he had plenty of highlights. He just needs... I think he needs a bigger role to, like, really get a... To really get a... So we can get a good evaluation of him. He's been... He was in the G League for half of the season, like, two years ago. His rookie year and then last year he just sat the bench the entire year i think they need to put him into the rotation at least at the start of the season see what he's got and if he doesn't got it he doesn't got it but if he has it i mean i think he's got the potential to be <laughs> very very good he's he's seven three and he can handle the ball like an average point guard i won't say he's a great ball handler but he's very ambidextrous can use either hand a very good passer you know of course being 7-3 that helps and he's and he can shoot not at a not at the greatest clip but Bobo can do a little bit of everything and the fact that he's 7-3 just makes him so much harder to guard because his shot is unblockable and his handles you know his arms are so long it's gonna be impossible to steal the ball from him so hopefully Bobo gets a good role with the Nuggets this year let's talk about the Hawks Sharif Cooper Looking like the steal of the draft. Yes, Cam Thomas looked pretty good, but he was the 27th pick. Sharif Cooper was pick 48, and he averaged 14.8 points per game, 7.3 assists per game. You don't see those kind of assist numbers in the summer league very often. Shooting 46% from the field. He's got the clutch gene. He hit it. He hit a game winner in his first game, I'm pretty sure. I think it was the Hawks' first summer league game where he hit the game winner from the corner. This kid's got it. And I don't know why he fell to 48. I don't know if there's something deeper than his game that scouts or teams were concerned about. But clearly he showed he's got game. Sharif Cooper, probably the steal of the draft, at least as of right now. Of course, this is based on Summer League, so we can't, you know, assume that just yet. But Jalen Johnson looked just as good, if not better, honestly. The 20th overall pick, I believe... In this draft, 19 points per game, 9.5 rebounds per game. His athleticism was on full display, grabbing rebounds, throwing down some pretty impressive dunks. Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper, that is a great draft class for the Hawks. But not as good as the Houston Rockets' four first-round picks. Usman Garuba, give him a little shout-out right now, but he I mean, he didn't do much. He, had to, he came in late because he was playing with Spain in the Olympics. And then once he got there, I think he only played like two games, didn't really find his role. So can't really grade him yet. But Jalen Green is looking like a superstar, 20.3 points per game on 51% shooting. He was so efficient in the three and a half games he played or whatever it was, maybe two and a half. 
I mean, he could have averaged 25 a game if he wanted to. He probably would have been the summer league MVP if he played, you know, all five games, but then he got shut down with that hamstring injury. Averaged 4.3 rebounds per game, but this kid looks just as good as Cade Cunningham, maybe even better in terms of talent. In terms of leadership, I mean, I don't think Jalen Green's a natural leader like Cade Cunningham is, but he's got talent, and he looks really, really good for the Rockets right now. His former AAU teammate, Josh Christopher, everybody's favorite AAU duo is back together. Christopher averaged 16.8 points per game, 4.2 rebounds per game, 1.4 steals per game. He got added on defense. He did only shoot 38.5% from the field. He did struggle with his efficiency, but from the mid-range, he was 10 of 18, 55.5%. This guy's got Drew Holiday potential. I thought coming into the draft, I hadn't watched much of him in college, but I knew in high school, you know, he was pretty flashy scorer. But he is a two-way threat. He really is a two-way threat, and he's a great on-ball defender. There are a lot of Drew Holiday comparisons with this guy and if he turns into it if he turns into something like that that could be a steal for the rockets at pick number 24 i think it was that they got him alperen shingun from turkey i hope everybody knows his name now because he is crazy he's crazy he's what six nine six ten maybe that's being generous this guy the number 16 15 pick in the draft 16 one of those two they traded up the Rockets traded up to get him he was the number 16 pick because Corey Kispert was 15 to the Wizards but anyway I had no idea who this kid was I didn't do my research on him I'm gonna be honest I didn't think I saw in a couple mock drafts that he was projected to go like 12th 13th 14th and I was like yeah okay international prospect I'm never really high on those guys I honestly wasn't high on Luka Doncic that much when he was, you know, a top three prospect and he's turned into a superstar straight up. But Halpern Shingun, 14 and a half points per game, 11 rebounds per game, double-double, like almost every game. Three blocks per game. He averaged three blocks per game, 1.2 steals per game. And the crazy thing is, he's not that athletic. He is slow. He is kind of awkward. He is a below-the-rim center, which is tough in today's NBA. But in the summer league, oh, my goodness. He just ate up everybody. It was crazy. He was like the seventh or he was one of the youngest players, one of the top ten youngest players in the summer league this this season. And he bullied everybody. He's so strong. He's so much stronger than everyone else. That he just bullied his way to the basket. When he got the ball on the low block, I mean, it was over. He was just backy down, get a couple ball fakes, get some fancy footwork in there and finish. There were a couple times he threw down some dunks that maybe jump out of my seat because, frankly, I didn't think he had that kind of athleticism. And then he made a shot from the logo. He can shoot at an average clip. But he made a shot from the logo, the NBA logo. I mean, it was Damian Lillard range. Yes, it was the end of the shot clock, and he kind of just hoisted it up. But I love this guy now. I really do. <laughs> he he shocked me. He's got handles. When he 
caught the ball at the top of the perimeter. He would go behind the back sometimes. He's got a spin move. He's got a crossover. And it's all very, very slow, which makes it even, like, it, it just makes it straight up funny to watch because he dominates these guys when he's so much slower and less athletic. It's like Nikola Jokic 2.0. He's not that good of a passer. As good as Jokic, I should say. He made some pretty impressive passes. But Alperen and Shangun looks just as good as Josh Christopher. Clearly, Jalen Green's above everyone else in that class. For the Rockets, I should say. But Shingun and Christopher, I mean, they're right there. I was very impressed and very happy with Alperen and Shingun's production. And yes, we saw he talked to the basketball during his free throw routine. He made about 60-70% of his free throws. I mean, that's that's all right. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing your thing, Alperen and Shingun. The co-MVPs of the Summer League were Cam Thomas, of course, and then Davion Mitchell, because Mitchell and the Kings were the champions of the Summer League. They beat the Celtics in the Summer League Championship game. Davion Mitchell and Cam Thomas, co-MVPs of the Summer League. When we come back, it's time for the revealing, although you've probably already seen it by now. The NBA schedule is out. We're going to break down some of the significant matchups, some of the, like the holiday the, the holiday games, opening night, and more. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. The NBA schedule is out. All 82 games for all 30 teams. Let's talk about opening night. It's October 19th. The Nets will play in Milwaukee in an Eastern Conference semifinals rematch. Nets, Bucks, that's going to be a great, great way to start the season. And then you got Warriors and Lakers from Staples Center right after that on TNT. Steph and apparently Clay is not coming back till Christmas. I thought he was ready by the start of the season. But no, he his target date is Christmas. So that changes my mind about the Warriors a little bit. I mean, the Lakers are probably going to smack them in that opening day game, opening night game. But there's the, the Warriors are still going to make the playoffs. But they're not going to have as much continuity. Although it's Steph and Clay, so I take that back. Once Clay's back in the lineup, they're, they'll figure it out in like two games or maybe one half. Christmas Day is loaded as it should be. Hawks Knicks will be our first game. We will see a rematch of the first round matchup from this year's playoffs, and it'll be in Madison Square Garden. Trey Young gets to return to the Garden. Celtics at Bucks will follow that from Milwaukee. Then we have the Warriors in Phoenix against the Suns, the Nets, and the Lakers. This is what everybody wanted. Everybody wanted Brooklyn against LA, and they got it. It will be at Staples Center. Nets, Lakers, that's the game of the day, game of the season, honestly. And then we got the Dallas Mavericks playing the Utah Jazz in Utah in Salt Lake City. Some were mad because Nikola Jokic, it was mainly his teammates. Nikola Jokic did not get a Christmas Day game, and he was the MVP last year. Does he deserve it over Luka and the Mavs? Absolutely. I don't know why this isn't Nuggets Jazz. Maybe was Nuggets Jazz last year? I that's possible. I don't remember what the Christmas Day matchup was last year for Nuggets, but I think it should be Nuggets Jazz instead of Mavs Jazz. But 
It is what it is. We got Hawks, Knicks, Celtics, Bucks, Warriors, Suns, Nets, Lakers, Mavs, Jazz on Christmas Day. On MLK Day, January 17th, the Grizzlies will play the Bulls at 3.30, and then the Bucks will play against the Hawks in Eastern Conference rematch at 6 o'clock. Both games are on TNT. Some other significant matchups. Russ will return to OKC October 27th, and this is this will be the second time since... Fan, this will be the second time he's come back to OKC with fans. He did it with the Rockets, and it was just hype. Everybody was, everybody was happy. He loved it. He, he was interacting with the crowd. He did his normal run to the corner, you know, while yelling, like having a hype moment. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, but Russ and OKC October twenty seventh. That's going to be a lot of fun. Cade versus Jalen, our first matchup between the number one and number two pick in the during the real NBA season, will be November 10th. And I believe that game is in Houston. The battle for New York. This is actually a thing now. Knicks-Nets is like probably going to become a rivalry because the Knicks are getting better. The Nets have the, all the superstars. So this is actually a thing now. The battle for New York will be on November 30th. The battle for LA. We have rivalries in New York and LA. This is great for the NBA. Clippers-Lakers will be on December 3rd. KD will finally return to Golden State with fans because, you know, the, his first season out with the Achilles injury, he, you know, obviously missed the entire season. And that was the first time they had fans. Or that was the last time they had fans. Last time KD was there last season with Brooklyn, they didn't have any fans and it just wasn't the same. So that's going to be really, really interesting to see how the fans react to him. I don't know. Will they clap for him? Will they cheer for him because he brought them to championships? Or will they boo him because he just, you know, kind of abruptly left? The finals rematch will be on February 10th. Bucks, Suns. You'll see plenty of great matchups throughout the season. You know, I don't need to say all the marquee matchups, you know, because basically every doubleheader, every, every night on ESPN and TNT is going to be really, really good. All the good teams will be on national TV. You don't have to worry about it. TNT's got a lot of good ones. I'm sure ESPN will as well. The Lakers have the most national TV games with 42. They are on national TV 42 times this year. That is over half of their schedule. That's too much. I'm sorry. Yes, I get it. I get it. It's the Lakers. It's Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. But 42 games, you don't need them on half the season. Literally, like every late night game of the doubleheader, every 10:30 game Eastern time of the doubleheader is going to be Lakers somebody. Like, yes, I get it, because you go, you got all the stars. But my goodness, you don't need the Lakers on every night. I, I mean. I'm not going to watch them 42 times, that's for sure, especially if the games are starting at 10.30. My goodness, they need to move those back to, like, at least 9.30, which they did start to do more often this year. But it would be nice if it could be, like, 8.30 for East Coast people. Anyway, J.R. Smith, have you heard this? He's enrolled in college at North Carolina A&T. He, he plans to play on their golf team. J.R. Smith is in college right now and is going to be a walk-on to the golf team. <laughs> the NCAA cleared him to play, and this is just an amazing storyline. He went straight from high school to the NBA in 2004. He's now a freshman. He's now a college freshman at age 36 and will walk onto the golf team while pursuing a liberal studies degree. 
It's hilarious seeing people post stuff about him, you know, like seeing him in the halls and in online classes. That would honestly be pretty cool to have an NBA champion in your class. Congrats, JR. I mean, he said he's really happy, so good for him. Pretty cool and entertaining storyline there. To wrap up today, this day in NBA history, nothing significant happened. Sorry. Happy birthday to Timberwolves center Nas Reed. Bulls forward Patrick Williams. Morris Peterson had some good years with the Raptors after winning a national championship at Michigan State in college. Tommy Heinsohn, the late Tommy Heinsohn, former Celtics legend. And happy birthday to James Harden. And yes, James Harden is my favorite player, so we're going to take some time to appreciate him. He's the second greatest scorer ever behind Kevin Durant, in my opinion. Did I say ever? Yes. Does that mean MJ's third? Yes. But James Harden is just so prolific at scoring. I I understand Jordan has a career average of 30 points per game. Harden started his career coming off the bench, so that's what kind of, you know, holds his career average back. But sixth man of the year in 2012, he made the journey from sixth man to MVP. Nine-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA team member, six-time first team, three-time scoring champ. Y'all probably forgot he was an assist champ in 2016-17, season or 15-16 season. And, of course, he was the MVP in 2018. Master of the step back. Best at that shot in NBA history. He's an underrated defender. He's gotten better over the years. He's a great post defender. For those of you who don't watch him on defense or make fun of him on defense, if he gets posted up on, it doesn't matter how big the guy is. Harden's got so much. (laughs) I want to say this politely, but he's got so much mass to him, especially, you know, from the waist up that he can just take any hit honestly from anyone from like Kevin Durant who's like kind of skinny although they're on the same team now but to Giannis like he can handle Giannis in the post all he needs all James Harden needs is a championship he was so close to bringing one in Houston we know what happened in 2018 now he's teamed up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and if they stay healthy there's no one who can beat them not even the Lakers The Lakers will not beat the Nets in a seven-game series when both teams are healthy. You want to know why? Free throw shooting. We talked about that earlier in one of the previous episodes. I hope he wins one. I really, really hope James Harden wins a championship. He definitely deserves it. Happy birthday to James Harden, my favorite player in the league, and a top five player in the league. That is not bias, I promise. He is a top five talent, top five player in the league. We will be back soon. With another podcast. Not sure what we're going to talk about though. Because the Summer League is over. Could we perhaps preview next season? Maybe. Stay tuned.